Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Viral, a podcast series looking at the spread of COVID-19 as it continues to affect Ireland and the international world in a growing capacity. On today's podcast, we look at whether the Irish government are using the public as a scapegoat for a continuation of lockdown into May. Unfortunately for those who would like an immediate return to a pre-COVID world, the easement of the current restrictions will be slow and gradual and will be done in a stepwise tiered manner. It will require continuous efforts to suppress and control the virus. Therefore, the lifting of restrictions will not necessarily mirror the manner in which they were escalated. That was Leo Varadkar speaking in the Dáil this afternoon as Ireland awaits instruction on what measures may or may not be lifted come Tuesday, March 5th. The messaging from the government to the public has been consistent in terms of keeping the fight against COVID going. This, however, changed slightly last Friday as we heard signals from Leo Varadkar, Simon Harris and Dr Tony Hulan about their growing concern around the public's continued effort to social distance and whether people were becoming more lax in their daily routine. Mark Paul is business affairs correspondent with the Irish Times and during the week wrote a piece suggesting that the government were using the public as a scapegoat for an extended lockdown when in reality vast shortcomings in testing and contact tracing are what will see the country remain indoors for another few weeks ahead. I spoke to him about whether these calls from the government were just and how problematic a lag in testing will be in easing restrictions. Before that though, I was delighted to catch up with the Irish Sun's Adam Higgins, who was covering the leaders' question session that took place in Dáil Éireann this afternoon, as Leo Varadkar was grilled on transparency, nephit and testing by opposition. Adam, good to chat to you again. Um, as we know, Ireland is aiming to hit a capacity of 100,000 tests a week, but today during the leaders' questions, we learned that there's a difference between the capacity of 100,000 tests and actually carrying out 100,000 tests. That's right. The, the government have kind of floated this number of 100,000 tests for a couple of weeks now, which has caused a bit of an issue because the HSE hadn't got the capacity to do 100,000 tests a week. So at the moment, since the outbreak began, Ireland has done 150,000 or just over that altogether. The government's aim is to have the capacity to be able to do 100,000 tests in one week if a surge in the virus came, if we released uh, restrictions too quickly and a bunch of cases came that we'd be able to find out where they are very quickly by testing a whole range of people and then isolate those people and trace their contacts and test them again. But it came out today then in the doll, Mary Lou MacDonald was questioning the Taoiseach on this 100,000 tests and the Taoiseach said that it's having the capacity to do 100,000 tests is the aim, not to actually be carrying out 100,000 tests each week, which the Sinn Féin leader took uh, an issue with because she believes that we should be carrying out 100,000 tests, that we should be 
attacking this virus, finding out where it is, and then closing it down by isolation and contact tracing. Obviously, we know there's big news tomorrow, or what actually could turn out to be very little news tomorrow, as Leo is due to make another announcement, I think, just before the Late Late Show. He identified five criteria uh, for future decision-making in relation to lockdown. Do you know what these were? Yes, so the five criteria, just to go through them, that he read out in the doll is the progress of the disease, healthcare capacity and resilience, testing and contact tracing capacity, the ability to shield and care at-risk groups such as nursing homes and Roma community and that sort of thing, and the risk of secondary morbidity. And that means deaths that are caused indirectly by the virus. So if someone has the symptoms or a lump or something like that or symptoms of cancer and they don't go to the hospital to get them checked out because they're afraid to go to the hospital because they might pick up the virus and then they later on pass away because of that. That's a secondary death. And so the risk of that and the ability to shield at-risk groups is two of them. And then healthcare capacity is a big one at the moment because we've heard a lot about the reproduction rate of the virus, which was at 1.2.4 and was far too big, which is what caused the lockdown. Mm. And now it's at 0.5, which is ideal for releasing the, the restrictions. But the thing that we're not quite there yet is the amount of people still turning up at hospitals with cases and the amount of people being treated in ICU. So those numbers at the moment, I think the ICU is 106 and that needs to come down below 100 and the I think it's 40 people per day are being admitted to hospital to be treated for COVID and that needs to come down as well. One of the biggest, I suppose, question points during the leaders' questions earlier on was due to the fact that the public are yet to see the minutes of any of Neffet's meetings so far. What was Varadkar's reaction to this when questioned and why haven't we seen these minutes? So the government has always said that they have been as transparent as possible during the crisis which opposition parties have taken an issue with Alan Kelly from Labour in particular. And he has raised now for the past two weeks that there needs to be more transparency around the National Public Health Emergency Team, who are de facto making the decisions in the crisis because the government has said from the very start that they will make all their decisions based on the best public health advice. And the advice comes from the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan and his team. So. They meet, and it's quite a large team, it's over 40 people, and they meet and discuss what Ireland needs to do next, where we're at, where problems are arising, and what advice they can give to the government, whether it's introducing restrictions or lifting them. And the minutes of those meetings were initially published way back in March, which seems like a lifetime ago now, but we haven't seen any since the end of March. And that seems like a, a transparency issue, and... Alan Kelly was keen to point out that these are massive country changing decisions that are affecting every person in the country and yet we can't see how they're made or whether there was disagreements while they were being made and the process of it all. And Tony Houlihan, the Chief Medical Officer, was at pains to point out that this is nothing to do with a transparency, he's not trying to hide anything, but that it's just a massive undertaking because there's so many people in this meeting, the notes of the meeting have to be then passed around to be agreed whether they can be published. And it's just a, an almost an administration backlog. That's the reason that we haven't seen it. Now, we did see some of the minutes published earlier on this morning, highlighting some of the decisions that happened in early April. But the full minutes for all the meetings have yet to be published. And there's also some transparency issues around how do people end up being appointed to NEFIT. So the experts that are on it, how did they get there and who appoints them and what's that process like? And we've yet to see any answers on that.
Can you talk me through some of the narrative directed towards the public that we've begun to hear from Leo Varadkar and a couple of his colleagues during the week? Well, look, recently um, there was a little bit of a shift in the government's, um, in the way it was engaging with the people. I mean, for weeks and weeks and weeks since this crisis began, the government was really at pains, I thought, to, to praise people for their, their adherence to the rules during the lockdown. But as we got closer to when the government had to make a decision about whether or not to extend the lockdown, there seemed to me to be a clear change and deliberate change in the mood music from the government. And within the space of about 24 hours, we had the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, and we had the Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Tony Holohan, and then, uh, most notably, we had the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, all come out, and to varying degrees, I thought they scolded the Irish public um, about their supposed laxity, to use um, uh, uh, Leo Varadkar's word. He said, he said, we were becoming lax about the rules um, around social distancing and around staying at home. Now, Leo Varadkar, I thought, he was the most direct on this um, on last Friday. He was asked about this, and, and he deliberately brought it up, and he said that Irish people are becoming lax about the rules, and that, and that they're sort of their laid-back attitude, uh, to quote him, is making it harder to end this. Now, that, that created a, a, a specific direct link um, between our supposed bad behaviour um, and the relaxing of restrictions. And so it, it seemed to me that, that, that they were sort of setting up a narrative that if lockdown wasn't eased on May the 5th, that they would be able to blame the public, or at least mm. some members of the public would blame other members of the public. And I thought that they were setting that up deliberately to, to give them a little bit of wriggle room about what I think is one of the, the main reasons why lockdown may not be used, and that's because we haven't hit the target yet for testing and tracing of COVID-19 patients. And can you talk me through a little bit of the response to testing over the last couple of weeks. We're yet to hit the mark of 100,000, and I think we're still quite mm. a bit off. Do you know where exactly mm. are we now on that? At the moment, uh, we appear to be testing about 10,000 a day, um, in or around that. Um, now, the original target that was actually set, um, uh, which was back on March 19, two days after St. Patrick's Day, it was set by Simon Harris. He said uh, that he wanted uh, Ireland to be testing and tracing 15,000 um, suspected cases of COVID-19 per day. And, and that this was part of, of the government's announcement that it was going to adhere to the World Health Organization strategy to test, test, test our way out of this. Now, this was March the 19th, 15,000 a day was the target. Now, two weeks later, we were still doing barely 2,000 a day, um, and, and it was taking up to two weeks to get results. Um, now, you know, they were questioned closely about this, and they said, listen, we're ramping it up. It's not easy to ramp up testing, and that's true. There's a lot of countries looking for the same materials at the same time. But by April the 12th, um, several weeks later, Killian de Gascoon, who was one of the main scientists um, um, on, the, on the, the committee that are advising the government, he said it will be ready by the end of next week. Um, and, and here we are still, um, just about to come up to the deadline date where we should ease lockdown or not. Uh, and we're nowhere near the government's target. And they tried to, I thought, deflect from their failure to hit that target by renaming the target. It was originally 15,000 per day, and that mm. had become the mantra. We're going to hit 15,000 per day. And then they changed it to 100,000 per week. I thought it was a deft little public relations move. Um, you know, 15,000 per day is 105,000 per week. There's, you know, there, there's, there's very little practical difference in real terms there yeah. between 105,000 and 100,000 a week. But it was all part of the narrative to sort of um, cloud over the fact 
that you know whilst we were still testing quite a lot of people we were no we were testing nowhere near the level of people that will be required to lift lockdown procedures because obviously part of the government's strategy the tenfold to its strategy for that is that if somebody displays uh, symptoms of COVID-19 that they are tested you know and, and, and the results come back almost immediately and then their contacts can be traced and mm. you have to be testing in the community you have to have the capability of doing that it means you need lab space you need the materials to do it you need the staff to do it they have to have the PPE to do it it's a big logistical um, um, structural operation um, but the government said they could do it and um, they've had two months to do it and so far they still haven't hit their own targets and what we've been told now is that it could take until the third week of May um, to hit that target and, and, and that's assuming they don't push it out again. And do you know what the biggest stumbling block to reach that number is? I know there is obviously a big shortage of materials such as reagent at the beginning. Is it more of a mm. logistical thing in terms of getting materials or is it trying to get the policy in place to implement it? Well, I, I, I think... Uh, a big part of the problem is is there's clearly been tension and a disconnect um, between NFET, the, the National Public Health Emergency Team, this is the team of advisors and scientists advising the government. There's been a disconnect between those guys and between the HSE, which of course has to implement whatever mm. is decided. Um, and, and, and there's clearly been tension. We found out that last weekend, um, um, it was only at that stage that an actual operating model for how to get um, to 100,000 per week or 15,000 per day. It had only been agreed last weekend and they had been making promises to get to this for weeks and weeks and weeks beforehand. Now, if they had only agreed on an operating model last weekend, how could they possibly have expected to reach 15,000 per day or 100,000 per week when they were making those promises before that? So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect. My my own, this is this is a hunch. This is, you know, I have no mm. proof of this, but, but my, my suspicion would be that in a sense, um, NFET are, 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 are like um, maybe the idealists in this situation. Mm. They are the advisors, the virologists, the scientists. They want to get something done, but they're not responsible um, um, for delivering it or for actually putting in place the nuts and bolts of, of how to do it. And the HSE are finding that you know getting to 100,000 per week or 15,000 per day is it's a lot more difficult than simply saying it. So yet there is a shortage of materials. Now, you know, Ireland has a little bit of an advantage over other countries um, in that we have in our backyard proportionally the biggest biopharmacal industry in the world but mm. biopharmaceutical industry in the world I mean of the top 10 and biopharma companies in the world by, by, by size of company, all of them, every single one of them has an operation in Ireland. Most of them have very high-tech factories in Ireland making drugs here and with lab space here. Now, if you want to call it the war effort, I suppose, as such, lots of businesses have gotten involved in helping the government and, and trying to help its source materials and so on. But I think the government possibly was a little bit slow in, in linking up with the biopharmaceutical industry in Ireland, who are the ones who could actually procure the reagent that we need. I mean, mm. reagent is this compound, a mixture of chemicals and organic materials, I'm not a scientist, but it's a compound that's, that's needed to process a test in order to get your result. And, and a lot of them, every country in the world, as you can imagine, is trying to ramp up their testing. And this reagent stuff, uh, the, the raw ingredients for it, they're very hard to find at the international market. And Ireland was out there, a little country of 5 million people trying to buy this stuff, going up against Germany, going up against Italy, going up against the USA, when in fact, you know, we have the capability in this country mm. to make that stuff on, on home soil. And in fact, a lot of it is actually made on home soil. And, and in, in normal times, in other years, there are Irish companies that make that sort of stuff here. So I do know that the government and the Irish authorities and the public health authorities have been working very closely over the last number of weeks 
with companies in the Irish pharmaceutical space to get out there, to get the ingredients and uh, to start making reagent in Ireland. And I think there's likely to be an announcement on that soon, I would suspect. And why do you think there has been, I suppose, a lack of anger or outrage at the government's slow response to look internally? Because as we know, 11 days ago, Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson were really, really publicly scalded after the Sunday Times piece and their inability to look and contact some of the material makers and producers in the UK who look after testing kits and stuff like that. There doesn't seem to be as much of a response publicly towards this. I think there is a lot more togetherness in Ireland at the moment between society and the public and between what the government is doing. I don't think um, there's as much suspicion. I mean, Britain, you mentioned Britain there and, and, and the scolding that their politicians got, or, or you could mention that. Um, um, and Britain was a very divided society going into this crisis already because Brexit had divided, I mean, I mean, the entire country was polarised. And, and so, there, you know, nobody over there is friends with each other. Mm. And, and, and the, 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 the government is, 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 is a government uh, that, you know, uh, a, a lot of people in, in the UK wouldn't have wanted. So you can, you can see how and um, that would happen over in the UK. Over here, I just think um, um, part of it is that, you know, it, governments have only a limited amount of bandwidth or capability to deal with something like this. This is the biggest crisis that our political leaders will ever face. And it's hard to imagine um, a bigger crisis that any of our leaders have faced in the past with so many different moving parts. Um, and they, I think they just literally dropped the ball a little bit on testing here. Maybe they overpromised too early. Mm. Um, and I think people in Ireland, Irish society has pulled together so well. I mean, I'm looking out my window right now. I live in a working class suburb of Dublin. And I can see on every single house almost there's tricolours hanging out the windows. You know, they've got messages on them to frontline workers. There is a real sense of togetherness in Ireland. And I think people don't really want to put their heads above the parapet too much to criticise the government because it, 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 I'm not saying that it's unpatriotic or anything like that, but there isn't a culture of just slapping the, our politicians down for the sake of it, mm. not, in, not in the middle of this crisis. You look at Simon Harris, you look at, at Leo Varadkar, I mean, they're, they're young men, but you can see that they're, that they're feeling the strain a little mm. bit, and, and particularly in Simon Harris. I mean, these guys are, are working very, very hard, and I suppose people don't want to be unfair to them, so they, they don't want to criticise them unfairly but also I think the government has been quite deliberate and quite active in trying to cover up for the yeah. fact that they weren't hitting their own testing targets. The goalposts kept being moved. Each time they were called out on it, they would say, oh, you know, we'll, we'll have it next week or, or we'll have it ready in a couple of days. And of course, next week or a couple of days came and they still weren't hitting the targets. Um, it's taken a long, long time for Ireland to get up to that. And I think a direct consequence of that feeds into the fact that lockdown is not being eased at the time that we want it to be eased. And I just thought that, you know, it is unfair. I thought it was a little bit cynical of the government to try and maybe shift, subtly shift some of the blame of that onto the public. When in reality, um, I think maybe they should have looked a little bit closer to home. As hard as they're working, as good a job mm. as they're doing in a broad sense on that one issue, I do think they do have some uh, serious questions to answer. And Mark, finally, before we finish up, putting fairness aside, do you think Leo's decision to put some of that blame on the public has worked? I know, even anecdotally myself, I haven't seen a huge amount of people actually complaining online about testing, but a lot more people giving out about, you know, packed parks and beaches. Why do you think Mm. that is? Look, I I think it's our natural 
tendency to police each other. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly a tendency you see on social media, right? You see people, we, we police each other's speech. I mean, it's very easy to get criticised on social media. And we're all connected through social media now because we've got no choice, because we're all stuck in our houses mm. um, a lot of times. So when people go out for exercise, um, people are scared and, and, and they're anxious. And they, they feel that if they're doing their bit, they want to see everybody else doing their bit. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of confirmation bias involved. If your government tells you that not everybody is pulling their weight, well, you know, when you go to the park or look out your window, all you're going to see is people who aren't pulling their weight. But in reality, I think the Irish people have been pulling their weight. I think it's extraordinary the level of adherence there has been um, to the restrictions that they bring in. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to understand, this is in China. You can't weld people into their apartments. It's not an authoritarian state. So you're relying on people's inner resolve. And the restrictions have been going on for a long, long time. Lockdown was over, only ever supposed to be a tactic to buy time. It was never supposed to be the strategy. It was only ever supposed to be a temporary tactic. Um, and, and those temporary tactics like that, they have a shelf life. People eventually will get tired. Um, they will get tired of being cooped up. Um, and it's not that they, you know, they don't have the moral fiber. I mean, people use the, the slogan, just stay home as if that is simple and that's easy. That's a very, very hard thing to do, you know. And in a column that I wrote, you know, I pointed out that grandparents are being deprived of um, grandchildren and, and, and getting to hug them. Kids can't go to school. You know, we can't see our friends. We can't go to work. A lot of people will never go back to work. Those aren't small things when they build up over time. And I think what you're seeing now is Ireland reaching or coming towards the useful end of lockdown as a tactic. And we should possibly look to move on to the next stage of the strategy, I would say. That is all for episode 22 of Viral COVID-19. Thanks to the Irish Sons, Adam Higgins and Mark Paul, business affairs correspondent with the Irish Times, who both joined me today. I will be back next week with more information on how Ireland is tackling the COVID-19 crisis. I'm Ian Doyle. I'll talk to you then. 